And then hopefully when the dust settles, everything will settle with it. Uh, I'm actually going to read the scripture for today's message, and maybe in uh, subsequent weeks, within the context of the message, which is a big change for me, but uh, sometimes it just presents easier, connects easier if I do it that way. So uh, just to let you know what you can expect. I want to start by telling, uh, sharing with you uh, a little bit about a guy I used to work with. If you've been paying attention, you've heard about him before, you know who he is. His name is SpongeBob. He's a mechanic that I used to work with at the uh, golf course in Lake City. I worked with him for six years, and he was the most foul-mouthed, rudest, just absurd person you ever met in your life. I, I guarantee you that if we sat down and you talked to him, you would agree. You would walk away from that meeting saying the same thing. And that a part of what really uh, added to his personality was the fact that he is a hardcore alcoholic, which is a, a, a lot... That's more serious than my comments about him being rude and foul-mouthed. And, you know, everybody kind of poked fun at him because uh, he was just that kind of a person. You know, you would say something to him and he'd come back with a joke and everybody said, wow, he's so obnoxious. And it became kind of a game that everyone would play with him. But at times, at the end of the day, uh, it was just he and I and we were waiting for our boss to come in. And I would talk to him and I'd try and work through sort of that hard outer layer shell that he had. And he would soften up a little bit. And I could tell that he was just a normal person like you and like me. And that he was actually really hurting on the inside, which you might expect. And so at one point I asked him. I just felt I was growing in my faith in Jesus. And I said, Sponge. That's what I called him. Sponge, not Bob. (laughs) I said, Sponge, you know, why don't you come to church with me sometime? You can come and you can just sit right with me. And he said, yeah, right. That, that uh, roof, if I came in there, the roof of that place would fall down. <laughs> Which I had heard before. You know, I'd heard that kind of thing, and it was obvious that he just was not interested in coming to the church. You know somebody like that who maybe you'd say, oh, I wish that they would come to church. If they would just come to the church, things would get better for them. Maybe it's someone just as foul-mouthed as SpongeBob as I'm sharing with you, or Someone, someone just in between. Maybe it's just someone that's really a good person, but you think, gosh, if they could just come to church, if they could just know what I know about God, then their life would be better. I hope that you know someone like that, that you're thinking about other people in that way of this gift that I have that I've been experiencing here at this church and perhaps my entire life is not just for me. That's a, a central point of the entire Bible is that we are intended to share our faith with other people. Now that's a topic uh, for a different day, but I want to ask you, if you have that person in your life that you would want to come to this church, why? Why do you think they should come here? For you, you might say, well, because it's a church family. Or maybe you like me as your pastor, and you say, well, we've got a good pastor. Or we got a good pianist. We've got some good music. <laughs> I think he's great. But what if somebody doesn't know anybody here? They're not connected to any of the families. Or they didn't grow up in the church. Or they're really indifferent to Adam as a pianist and they don't really care if I'm a good pastor or not. They say, well, big deal. I know lots of good speakers. Why would someone who's not a part of this church 
want to come to the church? I think in order to answer that question, we have to look at the Bible. And if I sat down and read the Bible all the way through, and you said, what was the big takeaway that you have from the Bible? I would say, you know, there's a lot in there, for starters. (laughs) Some stuff is really hard, like in the Old Testament, which is still very important. But my big takeaway would be, that guy Jesus is pretty amazing. (laughs) He is amazing. And all the different things that I'm wondering about, the questions that I have, if there's anything that I can commit to with, with Scripture, is that we should probably listen to Jesus. Like He's God and He came and He died for us. And He tells us how to live in this life. If there's anything about the Bible that I should remember and try to live by, it's probably whatever Jesus says. And so Jesus, in the text that we're going to read today, says something pretty amazing to the first disciples. And we're going to talk about what the implications of that is for the next many weeks. Let's read it now. See what I did there? That's a new thing. It's new. Just to introduce this to you a little bit, Jesus is just on the scene. And and this is a similar uh, pattern that we see in all the Gospels. Sometimes they're a little bit different. But before Jesus does any kind of a ministry, he, uh, we, we read about his baptism, and then he goes out into the wilderness, you know, which is a popular text during this time of year. Goes out into the wilderness, is tempted by the devil, and he comes back and he really he proclaims that he is God. He's, he's the one who's been prophesied. And the first thing that he does is what we're about to read here. In Matthew uh, chapter 4, Starting at verse 18, we read, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the, boat that, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demon, demon, addicts, demon addicts, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them. And great, and great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Jesus bursts onto the scene and the very first thing that He comes to do is to speak to to these fishermen and He says, follow Me. Follow Me. What does He want from people who are part of His church? Which is a word that we don't see very often actually from Jesus. What does He want from people who are part of His church? To follow Him. Now that has different meaning than it does uh, in in our world today. But what we see at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry is that His church was always intended to be consisting of people who follow Him. 
this kind of follow is very different from the kind of follow that we have today. So if you're on Facebook, you know that you can follow just about anybody. You say, oh, I kind of like what they have to say, or I like their product, and you click follow. That just means that you get information about them and you see what it's like. Uh, that's more like being a fan. Say, I'm a fan of, say, Pastor Chad, or I'm a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, so I'm going to follow them. Or you could do so in any kind of media or whatever that you follow. You don't have to be on Facebook, but if you get the Mankato Free Press, say, I follow the Mankato Free Press. I'm trying to pay attention to the things that they present as important. We actually see fans within this text in the second half of the passage. The people who follow Jesus around because of all the amazing things that he were doing, they, because of all the things that he was doing, they say, oh my gosh, did you see all the people he's curing? Did you see the things he's saying? He's, get, he's getting a crowd. I've got to follow that guy. But I'm more of a fan than a follower. To follow Jesus meant something entirely different than what it means to be a fan or a follower in today's world. To follow Jesus is not to say I just simply click and say I want to see more information about this person and then decide whether or not I want to live that way. To follow Jesus is to respond to His commanding presence of love and grace. To learn from Him and become like Him. To posture humility and compassion. To speak with truth. To think things that are not sinful. Like we all struggle with, with judging others. We judge even the people within our families. Do we not? Can anybody raise their hand and say, I don't ever judge anyone? It's a natural reaction to judge people. It's natural. <laughs> Did somebody raise their hand? Did you raise your hand? Oh my gosh. Shut it down. My ministry here is now officially ineffective. <laughs> When we follow Jesus, we start to care about the things that He cares about. We become like Him. It's really not an option like it is with anything that we follow in today's world. We don't have to do anything that anybody tells us, but when we say that we're Christian, and especially if we say, well, we're going to try and follow Jesus, you don't get to say, uh, I don't want to do that, Jesus. <laughs> or, I'm not interested in that piece of what you say because don't you know how bad that person is? Or don't you know that I was confirmed or that I went to Sunday school? To follow Jesus is to submit your entire life to Him, to, to come to worship and say, Jesus, I am Yours. To follow You means to give my entire life to You. Like the very first disciples. To say, Lord, I have opinions about how to live this life, but ultimately I want You to show me how to live. I want to learn from You. I want to observe what You're doing. I want to, be, I want to aim to please You above all others. That's what it means to follow Jesus in our lives today. We do that in a lot of different ways that I'll mention a little bit later. Some people uh, in the Bible have a really hard time with following Jesus. You know who those folks were? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, we don't really have those equivalents of people, but it's really the learned folks. 
the ones who thought that they had a really good understanding of what it meant to be pleasing to God. They said, these are the texts that we know, and this is what it means to be righteous, to be right in God's eyes. And they did not like the fact that Jesus was calling the lowly folk, that he was telling them to follow. The, the, the language of following was a common thing in the Jewish faith, that uh, rabbis would say, I'm going to take on a disciple, someone who will learn from me. And the, the most important thing about being a disciple of a rabbi was that you learned these texts. It's actually the first, uh, the first five books of the Bible is called the Pentateuch. And to be a disciple of a Jewish rabbi, you had to memorize all five books. So now Jesus comes onto the scene and he's, just, he's mixing with all the wrong folks who know nothing about Scripture, by the way. They don't know. They probably couldn't even say what the first five books were. What's the Pentateuch? doesn't make any sense. What's the narthex? <laughs> that's, kind <of> the <laughs> that's kind of the equivalent of today. They had a real problem with Jesus saying, follow me. And he calls a tax collector. What? What are you doing? No wonder they started to get so mad. Read this call. So first Jesus calls the fishermen. Which, you know, we know people who are out fishing today and we say, yeah, fishing's a pretty good thing. But fishermen were actually considered kind of like the shepherds. We have good Sunday school pictures of them. What they, you know, they're, they're nice, they're sweet. But actually, fishermen were kind of like SpongeBob. They're rough. They do really hard work. They're out casting their nets. They're not just casting the line. They're casting their nets and pulling them into the boat. These people were jagged. That's who Jesus calls. And He also calls... The tax collector. Here's the second call, the, the second time that Jesus tells somebody to follow him. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him immediately. And as he ate, as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Are you kidding me? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He says this to the religious leaders of the day, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. It's interesting to see the contrast between the struggle of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to accept the fact that Jesus was welcoming the people that they had sort of cast off. And the real contrast that we see is the people that he calls, they don't just follow him, they follow him immediately. Immediately. They're out fishing and this is their livelihood and they just leave their stuff. There's something about Jesus that they're noticing that other people aren't really catching. They leave? And the tax collector just says, okay, I'll follow you. I'll leave my small business. I'll leave my home. And, and they struggle with that later. They say, what do you mean? I, I, can't I go back and bury my, my mother and my father? No. There's something about these first disciples 
something that they noticed. And if you, if you realize that they're the outcasts of society, the ones who are rough around the edges, the ones that probably got the worst of other people, who didn't want to talk to them, maybe even poked at them like my old friend Spongebob, that when they're in the presence of Jesus, and He looks them in their eyes, and He says, follow me, they can feel with every part of their being the compassion, the love, the grace, and the truth with which He speaks because He is the Son of God. They don't have all the barriers that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had. They recognize this unconditional love and acceptance. And they say, what else could I want in this life? That's what it means to follow Jesus. To surrender to Him with this kind of reckless abandon in every area of our life. We don't say, We're gonna, well, I'm going to bring my nets with me. That would have been absurd too. But yeah, that's more of the common response in, in today's world. When we sadly don't even talk about what it means to be a disciple. One of the things I've been most shocked about is I become a, this transition of becoming a pastor five and a half years is how few disciples there are in the church. People who say, I'm going to read this every day. I'm going to invite and not just read it and know it like the Pharisees and Sadducees, but say, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit into my heart and I'm going to try to live in the way that Jesus commands us to live. Now, that's the responsibility of your pastor to teach and to emphasize that importance. And then it's up to you to decide, will I follow or not follow? One of the ways that we follow Jesus is through participating in small group because it's really hard to grow in faith to follow Jesus on your own. In fact, I would say it's impossible because we don't really uh, look into the, the hard things about ourselves without other people to hold us accountable. There are things that I struggle with that unless I speak them out loud and then say, I'm going to make a commitment to changing this part of me that I know is not in line with how Jesus wants me to live, unless I have that kind of accountability, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm human just like you. <laughs> Who wants to change? Does anybody here want to change? Don't you raise your hand. <laughs> oh, it's you? <laughs> Don't you do that. <laughs> You know, I've been so excited and proud, and, and, and tell, especially before COVID, and, and recently it's been a real struggle. Because part of the thing that helped me to understand the grind of ministry and the ups and downs, part of the thing that really kept me going was seeing so many people taking new steps of faith. I was saying, God, I don't understand the, all the tradition of the church and some of the things, you know, church family is just all foreign to me, but what I know about Scripture is that Jesus commands us to follow Him. And so if we want to know if the, the Holy Spirit is working in a place, we see, are there people responding to that call? Are there people growing in faith? And over the last, how long have I been here? Four years? We have seen a lot of people growing in faith. Say, thank you, Jesus, 
for the work that you're doing in these hearts, that people are coming forward and saying, yes, I will walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It's going to be hard, but we'll do this together and we'll learn what he wants us to be. In one of those small groups when we're talking, I've, I've been leading most of them. In one of those small groups, somebody said, you know, I'm just never going to be a, a good disciple or a perfect disciple. <laughs> and I thought that was an interesting comment because I immediately wondered, am I putting that kind of an expectation that in order to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus that you have to be perfect? And my mind came back to this text. Because what we see with the first disciples is that they knew nothing about the faith. What made them disciples, and even perfect disciples, is that they followed. Jesus invited them and they said, yes, I will go. So there are ups and downs. There are dry seasons. There are times where you might say, I just can't read my Bible at all, and that might last an entire year. That's the ebbs and flows of being a disciple. But what matters most in the eyes of Jesus is the fact that you say, at least once a week, Jesus, I am yours. I can't do anything without you. But Jesus, I want to follow you. Though it's hard, though my, my sinful nature or my life circumstances won't allow me to do it, I want to follow you. That's what matters most to God. That's what matters most to Jesus is that we would say, this is your life, God. Teach me, to how to, teach me how to live. Now what I love about this call that Jesus places on our life is one, it's incredibly simple. Incredibly simple. Somebody could come in off the street right now and we could say, what we do at this church is we follow Jesus. What does that mean? I don't know anything about the Bible. I, wasn't, I didn't go to Sunday school. I wasn't confirmed. doesn't matter. Watch what we do. Learn from us. We believe that Jesus has brought you to this place. It's incredibly simple and it's incredibly inviting. It's incredibly inclusive. Nobody is, nobody is off limits when it comes to following Jesus. No one. doesn't matter what past you've had, what you're struggling with right now. Anybody can follow Jesus. And what matters most is that you say, yes, I will follow. You don't have to have everything straightened out in your life. Which is what I think my friend Sponge thought, that he's too rough for the church. Maybe he didn't know anything about Scripture and he was intimidated by that. You don't have to know anything about God and you don't have to have your life straightened up. You don't have to become a member of this church to follow Jesus. You just need to make a decision to respond to the invitation. That's what the disciples did. They followed Him. They left the things that were most important to them to say, I'm going to learn from this person who is so obviously loving and full of truth and compassion, and I'm going to follow Him. We follow Jesus in our world today. We follow Jesus in these key ways. 
learning and observing what Jesus does. And our key way of doing that is Scripture. It's helpful sometimes to get a, this Bible, which I pointed out to you. Red letter. So if you're wondering, what, what does Jesus actually say? You say, I'm going to look at what Jesus says here and try to live according to, that, to, the, to what He commands. And we also learn and observe what it means to follow Jesus or see what He does by the way that we live. If we're followers, if we're disciples, then our actions should then be proof that Jesus is real. Look at the compassion that Larry's showing to his enemy. Look at the forgiveness that he's showing. Look at the patience that Dave has. Wow. That's the Holy Spirit working within you, brother. And we're, in, we're encouraged by such a lifestyle, by such a posture. Look at the humility that Charlotte has. That's amazing. There's no way that she has that much humility on her own. I know you do, Charlotte. <laughs> Worshiping Jesus is one of the ways that we follow Him. Because every time we think about who He is and what He's done for us, we have no other choice but to say, God, You are amazing. And that's worship. That's what we're supposed to do when we come here. And that's what we can do no matter where we are. But we do that together. We say, Jesus, You are amazing. We follow Jesus by serving Him. By realizing that our life is His. He's given us everything that we have. It's not for us to hoard, but to give away. We follow Him by being dependent upon Him in spirit. and Dependent upon His Holy Spirit to guide us. To give us the strength that we need to grow in faith. To follow Jesus means having a posture of humility and compassion. And lastly, sticking with it. Not just going through a, a quick time of of growth and then saying, ah, that's good. No, to follow Jesus, which again is what He commands of us, is to give our entire life to Him. To say, I'm yours. I wonder what would happen if my old friend Spongebob came to our church. Say, he came in. It's too late now. Maybe he came next week. And I said, oh, Sponge, you're alive, for one thing. <laughs> what would we say to him? Now think about this. Don't get annoyed by me asking this question. Think about what you would ask, what you'd say to him. What if he is still drunk? He probably would be, just to be honest with you. Would we ask him to become a member? Give him our newsletter? Give him a, a, what do you call those things? The pledge card that Natalie made that's so beautiful? Here, just in case you're curious, do you want to make a donation to the church? Do you want to follow us on Facebook? This is how you do that. Would we maybe tell them about the things that we believe? Well, we're Methodists. Let me tell you what a Methodist is. Or would we invite him into a lifestyle of following Jesus? First, he could observe what that looks like because he would see that we're living it. We don't just say we love our enemies. We actually do. You can tell because the way that we're praying, the way that we're talking with one another, the way that we resolve conflict is proof that we love our enemies. At least that we're trying. I would think, I would hope that eventually Sponge would realize that our roof, this roof, is strong enough. Not because it's a new building, 
but because it is literally supported by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. He could realize that he belongs here. No matter how embarrassed of his failures he is, and I know that he is, hopefully he would see that Jesus' command to follow him is even applicable to SpongeBob. Those who would be willing to step out of their comfort zone and into the life-giving, inspiring presence of Jesus Christ, those are the ones who follow Him. Friends, I pray that no matter what you think of this message or the jabs that I've taken, and I, know, I realize I've taken some, that you would realize that at the, at the core of everything that I've said is an urgent desire to see you take steps in faith for you to follow Jesus. Because there is nothing greater in this life than to at least try to live every moment in the presence of Jesus Christ. May He grant you the courage to take whatever next step of faith He's laying out for you. And may He sustain us as we learn about the ins and outs of what it means to be a disciple over the next many weeks. Amen.